two and a half, three years, I guess, um, whatever it's been, seems like an eternity. Uh, no, <laughs> since uh, first connected with Pastor Jared and Debbie, and and then have walked considerable journey with with the leaders and uh, in this church, and I, I got to take my hat off and commend your leadership. Pastor Jed said something before, which is very true, that people who transition batons are past, and often people can't stay around, yet there's, there's generations now of leaders in this church, which is a fairly unique scenario and something that is really, really wonderful. And, um, and, and I've got to say that, you know, for those of you stepping into another era, and, you know, maybe today's not the day because it's not the passing of the baton, but you're not, it's not about you sitting on the sidelines now, Jed. No, in fact, there's a whole new, there's a whole new, I see you like, almost like backbone and spine-like in some ways. You're, you're just, you, in whatever the future looks like, you're going to be an incredible strength and support upholding so much of what goes on. I think with, is Deb going back out to kids? Yeah. Um, I think some of what Deb does, and I'll talk to her about this, and, not, and I'm not just talking about running kids on Sunday. I, the stuff she does in the broader community, I think, um, I think there's something there that's going to grow. And she's going to work on having to multiply herself. There's something, something in the future that's going to go broader and bigger. What, I, I don't know what that looks like. So, yeah, I believe God's going to put this church on the map. It's interesting you mentioned about 40 years because he, the funny thing I was thinking about this morning when I was praying was uh, thinking about change. How many of you know the world's changed? Wow, the last, it was a couple of months ago we commemorated uh, what has colloquially became known, become known as uh, 9-11, that tragic day in the United States. And hard to believe that's 20 years ago. Um, and how the world has changed since then. Oh my goodness. It was only some months before that event I was flying to Singapore with another pastor friend and it was back in the days when the pilot would walk back down into the cabin of the aircraft and talk to the passengers. And I got invited up onto the flight deck, up into the, into the cockpit for about half an hour of a 747. How many you know that's never going to happen again? <laughs> well, the world has changed, I've got to tell you. Not all the changes have been for the good, unfortunately. Um, interesting, 20 years ago, John Howard was the Prime Minister of our country. Peter Beattie was the Premier of Queensland. Most importantly, petrol was 88.4 cents a litre. <laughs> In December that year, 20 years ago, TV's Sale of the Century. Sale of the Century! How many of you remember that? And Tony Barber, and, and uh, that was coming to an end after 21 years. For those of you that follow Rugby League... That was the year that Wayne Bennett, the Queensland origin coach at the time, had a master stroke and brought back Alfie Langer. How many of you, how many of you remember that? Some of you? Yeah. For those of you that don't follow NRL but follow maybe ARL, it was the first of the Brisbane Lions win against Essendon and it was the first of their three consecutive uh, uh, premierships. It was the year that Sir Donald Bradman died at 92 years of age. The world has changed. The world has changed. Uh, incre incredible. Um, and of course, the change we've seen in these recent 
years, the last couple of years. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. How many of you, how many of you were here 20 years ago? Give me a wave. Wow, amazing. How many of you were here 40 years ago? Give me a wave. That is amazing. How many of you have seen some changes in 40 years? Yeah, <laughs> yeah some things have changed, so. Um, let, me, let me read a scripture to you this morning, and then I'm going to come back to it in a moment. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 says this. John's disciples came to Jesus and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. They do, if they do, this, the skins will burst, the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. We're talking about change and how the world has changed and, and the world will not, will not go back. We talk about post-COVID and whatever that means, but it, it won't go back. COVID accelerated many changes that were already happening in our crazy world. Long-term planning used to be five years, now it's about five weeks um, because there's just the uncertainty. How many of you know we live in uncertain times? And, uh, and it's been like the effect of an earthquake where the tectonic plates have shifted and there's been upheaval and there is upheaval. And, and when that happens, when there's an earthquake, mountains rise and... and the earth fractures and all sorts of change. The landscape changes. And I want to say the landscape has changed and the landscape is changing. And I won't take time, but there's some interesting research just into even the social changes in Western culture, of which we are a part. And to give you one little idea, you know, at the end of last year, I think it was in the United States, they did, this wasn't in church world, this was right across the community. They did a massive research project which showed some interesting things, that COVID shifted people's values and thinking almost overnight. So prior to that, some of the big marketing efforts, and particularly, you know, if you social media, it was all about success and status and influence. And almost overnight, that changed to people being more concerned about support and more concerned about security and trust and safety and trust. Interesting. And you know what? That's for all the change that's happening in the world and a lot of the change that we see happening in our culture and in the world around us is not necessarily positive. We've become an increasingly unkind society and culture is just, just horrendous and I don't want to take time to go into that this morning. But I want to say that all these things actually are good news for the church because when we talk about people suddenly really needing a safety, that's a concern, and trust and support and community, that's what people are looking for. Guess what? Guess who should be the best at that on the planet? The church of Jesus Christ. And when the darkness gets darker, guess what? The light gets lighter. And we are here to be the light. You are here to be the light. And I see in the days coming, um, I had this as I drove down this road in my dream, not my dream, it was just 
often get, I often get uh, revelation on praying when I'm shaving. <laughs> Don't shave much, but I, um, <laughs> but often when I'm, I suppose it's just because in that, those minutes or when I'm in the shower or whatever, and I saw myself driving down this road and I just saw, and this might be five years, it might be 10, it might be 20 from now. I mean, we saw change. Those of you who've been here 20 years have seen change. Those of you who've been here 40 years have seen what a change. What could be in 20 years? Another 20. Wow. And it's not, you know what, ultimately it's not for us. It's for the world around us that is broken and hurting and needs Jesus. I loved hearing Hayden's uh, testimonies this morning of young lives being touched by the presence and the power of God. And may that multiply and increase. Hallelujah. See, we're here to be beacons of hope, should be a point of hope, amen, in this community. And the gospel was always designed to be good news. That's what it means. Good news. Have you been good news to someone this week? Let's see, that's what, we should be Jesus incarnate. If ever there's a time when the world needs people to be Jesus, needs his followers to be Jesus to them, it's now. In times of uncertainty and confusion and, and so much happening in our society. And the gospel, the good news, was intended to connect with people in every culture, in every circumstance, in every era, in every time to bring hope, to bring life, to bring the love of God because the mission never changes. The world changes, the circumstances change. And all the changes we see do have impact on the church. It doesn't impact the message, it doesn't impact the core of what we're about because that, as we've just said, never changes. But church has changed and those of you that have been here for a long time, I remember as a young pastor, and uh, one of the first big, big changes I brought, and I, it, I actually got knocked back by the board the first time I put it to the board. I wanted to take a big technological advance in our church at the time when I, I'm just, I was just a young pastor. And I brought it to the board about the, the prospect of buying an overhead projector. <laughs> How many of you remember overhead projectors? In fact... Serving, how many of you ever served on overhead projector transparency? Yeah, that was the pathway to leadership. <laughs> because it was a quick test of people's ability. How many of you ever saw the upside down transparencies? Or the <laughs> but the world has changed. The world has changed. It's time to reimagine. Time to reinvent. Time to re rethink how... We engage. It's, it's kind of a little bit like a few weeks ago. This is true. I've got, I've got a really nice car and it goes fairly fast. And, um, and uh, <clears throat> give it away. No, God hasn't spoken to me, Jed, about that yet. <laughs> Actually, the problem with having a really good car is that you want to, and this morning was, I don't want to digress, but it was, I was running a little bit like, I hate being late. And I was running a little bit later than normal when I left home on the Gold Coast this morning. And then it was just comedy of errors. I put, I even put um, uh, maps on because I wanted to know exactly when I, you know, to the minute when it said I would arrive because I find it's normally pretty accurate. And it said 9.29. I phoned Jed about 20 minutes out said, mate, don't panic. I will be here right on time. 
and then roadworks, and then for some reason, because I'm thinking, this is my excuse, I was thinking about my message and about being here. Normally I take the King Street exit, often circle around and come down onto Williams Road. And just before I get there, Siri says, you know, and I'm thinking about my message. Siri says, continue for two kilometres or something. That's the exit I normally take. So I end up going further up and having to do a UE, and it was like, and then, then it gets challenging too. Not that this happened this morning, but this has happened where you get behind, not, it wasn't anybody from the church today, you get behind someone who you're running late and you get behind someone in the 80s, or sorry, the 100 zone and they're doing 80. And there's this temptation to want to just let them know that they should move along a little quicker. But you don't want to tailgate. And, and of course, when you're the visiting preacher, if you get within 5 or 10 k's of the church you're going to visit, I've become very aware, don't do that. Because <laughs> if they turn into the church, it's not a good look. That's the guy, that's the visiting preacher. He did, anyway. A few weeks ago, I was driving my car and um, had the option to, for, to drive it in manual mode, or in, which is sports, and um, I'd bumped it across, I hadn't realised, pulled up the lights and I took off, and suddenly, and it's pretty quick, and suddenly I'm six and a half thousand revs, oh, and I had to change it manually, because the motor's really running, it's going fast, it's taken off fast, it's going great, but I had to go to another gear to travel better. And I sense that's what's going to happen. Already, there's been a couple of gear changes in this church over time. But in this next season, you're going to go to another gear where you'll achieve more for less revs, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And uh, so one of the verses I love, and it has been so, so, uh, I guess, conscious in my thinking over the last few months it's just this one verse from the Old Testament. Many of you will know it. First Chronicles 12.32 talks about the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times and knew what Israel should do. So this verse, by the way, was written at the time, interesting time, was the time of the ushering in of a new era. And people from all over Israel were being drawn together in the desire to see God's will come in making David king. It was the ushering in of a new era. And it was the men of Issachar who had understanding of the times and so knew what Israel should do. If more than ever, I believe that those of us who are leaders in the church and part of the church, we need to have understanding of the times. Oh, it's confusing. I tell you, I've been more confused in recent times over issues than ever. But we need to have this broader sense and need to understand particularly how people are thinking and how people are feeling so we as the church know how to engage with people in the world. Most people say they like change. So long as it doesn't affect them. <laughs> but here's the challenge. Jesus was an agent of change. What time do we normally finish? 11? Yeah, can keep going? Okay. Probably about 12.30 if that's okay. <laughs> Jesus was an agent of change. Uh, I know. I mean, he changes our lives and he's changed our lives. How many of you know he's changed your life? 
But when he, he was here on the planet, when he was here on earth, he presented some major challenges to the religious community of the day. And he did things differently to what they were used to. So that passage I read um, was about those sorts of things. It was, it was really interesting that it was the religious people, because I said, God doesn't change. The message never changes. But, and the values and the principles upon which we live and operate never change. But the way we connect with our world and our community must change. Those of you that have studied church history and you'd know only over 100 years or so ago, a great man called William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army. And radical departure from what was known as church practice in what he did. He took pub tunes of the day and they played, their music bands played these pub tunes of the day with gospel lyrics. They did a lot of very radical things. Sort of an incredible move of God. Incredible move of God. But it was Booth that said this, that if the church does not change, it will end up being an island of irrelevance in a sea of despair. That's such a graphic image. God help us that we never become an island of irrelevance in a sea of despair. And how many of you know we are in a sea of increasing despair in people's lives? God help us to be an island of hope, an island where people can, can come on board and find new life. And Because we are at any one point only one generation away from extinction. Think about it. That, that's a scary thought. That, that thought scares me in terms of the, the church. In the Old Testament, there's this passage in Judges where it talks about uh, the people of Israel and after Joshua's generation had possessed the land. What an incredible generation. Amazing. And uh, says the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua. This is in Judges chapter 2. And... Uh, and of the elders who outlived him and had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Then Joshua, he dies at the age of 110. And after that, a whole generation, after that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And in a generation, They've gone from incredible exploits and celebrating incredible victories to a generation that didn't know God and didn't even know what God had done. That's why I love one of the great strengths in this church, as we've talked about this morning, is the generations. You've got generations. And, uh, and there's a great future for Hope Point Church. The challenge of this issue and the passage, and I'm going to just, in these few minutes remaining, just want to talk about this passage that Jesus, where he spoke these words, is it's the challenge of change. And Jesus is explaining this principle to the Pharisees in this passage. He's saying that sometimes it's necessary that change be made. The background is that the disciples of John, John the Baptist, come to Jesus uh, with a problem with the way that Jesus was doing things. And, uh, and the, this incident particularly comes at the end, in, interestingly enough, of three episodes of conflict in the life of Jesus. The first episode, 
Jesus forgave somebody's sin. And that made a bunch of people mad. Wow. Only God can forgive sin. Who do you think you are, Jesus? This was from the religious people of the day. In the second episode, just prior to this passage that we read, Jesus hung out with sinners. And that made all the religious people mad because they thought that holy people shouldn't hang out with sinners. I kind of grew up in the early days of, and I'm incredibly grateful for my heritage. I wasn't quite born in the church physically, but I certainly was born into a Christian family that attended an AOG, a Pentecostal church. So I've grown up all my life in Pentecost. I'm incredibly grateful for that heritage, so, so grateful. But there was a, a time when our theology said have nothing to do with the world. But that's why we're here. Because the thought was that we would be infected by them. No, let us infect them. <laughs> we ought to be in this age of contagion and uh, all those sorts of that terminology, we're the ones that ought to be infectious with the love and the life of Jesus. And more than ever, we need to be connecting with our community and connecting with our world. And it was interesting, a little aside, if I can. So uh, for a number of, for a decade, I pastored a church on the Gold Coast. We had a second campus at Eagleby, uh, near Beanley, which... Certainly was, I'm not sure currently, but was at the time the lowest socioeconomic demographic area in the state of Queensland. We ran a huge community care organisation. We did youth accommodation, housing. We ran a big food bank, food co-op. We were feeding like 750 families a week. Uh, what's there now is even bigger. It's, it's amazing, amazing. And uh, so we're engaged in numbers of things in the community, and then we had an arson attack on our building, destroyed it. And I remember standing there 6 a.m. on the Sunday morning, it happened Saturday night, so firemen are damping down the smouldering ruins, and it's pretty devastating. I mean, we've got families, and there are people on the street, you know, beside those of us from the church, and there are people in tears saying, what will we do? What will we do now? And it wasn't just because of our meeting on Sunday. It was because what we were doing in the community to help people in their lives. And here's the interesting follow-on. So I've never had so much media exposure. Uh, I've been in, had a fair bit in the media over the years with different things. But uh, the next two days, just crazy number of interviews, TV and radio interviews and so on. And that all resulted in... In the, in the next four weeks, the next month after that fire, we received 100, this was in 2005, we received $100,000 in cash, about half in cash, half in kind, from the community, broader community, not the churches, from business people, from, from the broader community. It was just amazing. I tell you what, if we were just a church that just had a nice meeting on Sunday, they wouldn't have cared less. But because we were making a difference in people's lives by what we were doing for our community and serving our community, that just engendered so much goodwill. And I just happen to think that that's what, part of what we should be about. And I think moving forward, and again, so I would 
wouldn't even dare to prescribe what that might look like for this church. But I believe God has set you up for the future. The incredible resource, the incredible positioning, what you have is unbelievable. And God's going to put you on the map. This next season is going to be incredible. But, but it does mean some change sometimes. It does mean change. Uh, in the third episode, in this coming back to the story, Jesus had never pushed for his disciples to fast during his ministry, and that made some of the religious people mad. How come, how come we fast and your disciples don't? And um, so it's funny how we get stuff in our mind in church life. We become used to a certain thing, and it was right in a certain era at a certain time. But we, we sometimes make sacred certain things that aren't sacred. Um, I remember one of our churches, this is uh, 15 years or so ago now, and a, a pastor had gone in there. He was already in his 60s, but it was a very older church. It had been a church that in past era had th- thrived. It was the church of 500. It was now down to 40, 50 people. New pastor's gone in, and he's wanting to make it a little more contemporary. Instead of a real, like a, I think it was like that, had a red velvet curtain on the back or something, very kind of, and he wanted to do what you have here. He wanted to put a black curtain up. And one of the board members, when he suggested, one of the board members said, you can't have black. That's the colour of sin. And one of the other board members goes, but Frank, you drive a black car. <laughs> Funny, hey, how we can get just certain things in our thinking. It's like with even music. I, I love music. I was a muso when I was, when I was younger and studied music. And um, there's two letters that were sent to pastors about contemporary worship. I'll read them to you. Here was one. It said, what's wrong with the inspiring hymns which we grew up with? When I go to church, it's to worship God, not to be distracted by learning a new song. Last Sunday mornings was particularly unnerving. While the text was good, the tune was unsingable and the new harmonies were quite discordant. That letter was written in 1890 and was complaining about the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Another one was, this was another... Another letter, a separate time. I am no music scholar, but I feel I know appropriate church music when I hear it. Last Sunday's new hymn, if you call it that, sounded like a sentimental love ballad one might expect to hear in a saloon. If you persist in exposing us to rubbish like this in God's house, don't be surprised if many of the faithful look for a new place to worship. The hymns we grew up with are all we need. That letter was written in 1865, and it was about the use of the hymn, Just As I Am. <laughs> Which I, lo- I like, as a kid, we sang it like, just as I am, without one plea. Marvellous. Isn't it amazing, hey? How we can become so set because that's what we've done and how we've done it. And, and I think more than ever in a world of change, we hold to the rock Jesus who doesn't change. And I think last time I was here, I preached on the importance of not drifting. But we also have to be flexible. We have to 
change. There are some things that never change, but our interface with people and the way we do things sometimes must change. And so, so in this passage we read, Jesus tells three stories all about change and about new things. He talks about the wedding story, compared his ministry to a wedding celebration. And John the Baptist had, in fact, described himself as the best man and Jesus as the groom. And Jesus extends that, that analogy and describes his disciples as friends of the groom. They were so joyful, and this was the issue around the fasting, but Jesus says they're so joyful they could not fast because they were with him. Now was not the time for fasting. How many of you know there's a time and a season for everything? Time and a season for everything, it's in the Bible. <laughs> and uh, in this time, religion had become a heavy burden for people. It was a time the, the Pharisees and John's disciples were just off in their timing. Fasting wasn't wrong, but was the perception and their timing about things. And there's a time for fasting. It's like Ecclesiastes says, there's time for laughing, there's a time for crying. There's time, and you have to discern and understand the times, like the men of Issachar. The second story Jesus told, again, without drilling into each of these, but just a very quick reference, second story Jesus told was about the patch being put on, an unshrunk patch being put on an older garment, and, uh, which has already shrunk, and the fact that it would tear. And then the third, third story he talks about is the wine and the wineskins. And, of course, this was a true illustration taken from daily lives of those living at that time. And Wine was the most common drink for people in Palestine. They, they didn't have bottled water. How many of you remember when we didn't have bottled water? <laughs> uh, they didn't have refrigeration. They didn't have water purified like we do. Um, and wine was less likely because of the alcohol content. It was less likely to contain germs than water or, or milk. So along with this, they had leak-resistant animal skins that could be processed and treated in such a way that they could expand and stretch along with the wine when they put the juice into the, the skins, which had been tanned in a specific way and tied up. So they were, they were effectively bad bags made of skin or leather, which was usually a goat hide tied at the legs and the neck. And so and the skin was tanned, etc. But they pour in the in the juice, and then that, as it fermented, it would expand. It would expand. And so the, the skins needed, if they were new skins, they would expand. But old wine skins, and that's what Jesus was saying, old wine skins had lost the ability to flex. It lost the ability to stretch. And so that's why Jesus was saying, I can't pour new wine into old wine skins. Because they'll burst. They can't handle it. It'll be wasted. So, it's interesting because there was only one way that old wineskins could be renewed. And that was that they could take oil, olive oil, and they would rub it, it was painstaking, but rub it into this, these older wineskins and as they rubbed the oil into it and massaged the oil into these older wineskins, they would regain their flexibility. Very interesting thought, isn't it? Oil, a Holy Spirit. How many of you think that to stay flexible, we might need 
a fresh infusion of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We might, might need him to be applied again and afresh and rubbed into our lives so that we're saturated with the oil of the Spirit that gives us the flexibility to handle what God wants to do in the days ahead. I've wrestled with stuff over the years. I regard myself as being young in my thinking. Is that my warning? Okay. I don't know whether I, forgive me if I did tell you guys when I was here, but last year I was preaching, what reminded me of this was I was preaching at King's on the Gold Coast last Sunday, and, uh, and I told them the story. When I preached there on a previous occasion, I had my iPad on, and, and sometimes notifications come through, but on, normally I, I turn it off, but on this one occasion I'd forgotten, and Siri was listening. And halfway through my message, Siri goes, I'm sorry, I didn't get that. (laughs) Which is really not good as a preacher, because if Siri's not even getting my preaching. (laughs) But how do you know we need... We need in this world more than ever, we need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. We need the oil of the Spirit to be applied and rubbed into our lives to keep us flexible and not get dry and get lose our flexibility and the ability to stretch in a world that's massively changing and we struggle sometimes with the changes in the world. But we need the oil of the Holy Spirit so that we can accommodate, because I want to tell you, God's pouring out some new wine. And it's not just for this church. There's a new era that the church is going to be stepping into. At the moment, it's a challenging season with all that's happening. And church leaders are trying to work out with COVID and with attendance rates and with a whole lot of stuff trying to work out, where do we go from here? But I want to tell you, God's never taken by surprise. And this is the hour for the church. So this morning, I want to encourage you as a church. Uh, I'm, I am so, so excited for the future of this church. I really genuinely am. I'm not saying that because I'm a preacher. <laughs> I'm not making it up. This is true. <laughs> this is not preaching. This is true, okay? No, this, I have a genuine excitement in my spirit. And this morning as I was praying early, I'm going, man, oh, the possibility. That doesn't mean next month necessarily it's all going to be, but, the future. What could it be five years from now? Ten years from now? Twenty years from now? This church, God's going to put this church on the map. And But we need, you need, as part of this church, you need fresh application of the Holy Spirit. Don't become dried out wineskins. There's something fresh coming. Something good coming. It's not just about passing the baton. It's not, I'm not just talking about that, that's part of the change, yeah, sure. But, but there's a whole new era ahead for the life of this church. And I want to encourage you, whether young or old, be a part of it. I can't wait. This, this auditorium will be too small. Yeah, Ben and I believe it. <laughs> this auditorium will be too small. Yep. And who knows what the impact of this church is in the broader community as God puts it on the map. You want to be a part of that? You want to be a part of that? Put your hand up for that. And 
Because here's the final thing. It's what we do now that makes, sets us up the capacity for tomorrow. The outpouring that God has. So when, when in the, the story in the Old Testament where she'd run out of oil, remember the lady had run out of oil and, and she's told, go and get all the containers that you can, all the empty containers. And then she began to pour out the oil and it was limited only by the containers that she had. That was when it stopped. When she filled the last container, that was when it stopped. So if she'd had another container, it would have kept running. If she had another one, it would have kept going. Till, But it's, it was the preparation today that enabled the outpouring, the extent of the outpouring tomorrow. And I want to encourage you, if you're part of this church family, whether you've been here 40 years or 10 or whether you've been here two months, and this is home, this is a time to lock in. This is a time to say, yep, this is the best thing on the planet. I want to be a part of what God is doing in this place. I want to get behind the leadership and, and all that's happening. I want to put my hand up and be a part of what God wants to do for the future. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Why don't you just in this moment before we close, just want you just to let your heart reach out to God. In the swirling change in which we live. So I spoke last time here about make sure you're anchored. Make sure you're not drifting. But in the midst of that, I pray that there would come a fresh excitement into your spirit, fresh faith into your spirit for a new era, for a new season. God is wanting to do something new. And don't be an old wineskin. Don't, don't get left behind with what God is going to do. Be a part of all that. And Father, right now, as we stand here this morning, we lift our hearts to you. We lift our hands to you as a sign of openness and surrender. And we say, come Holy Spirit. Come renew our hearts. Renew the wineskin even of our thinking. So that we are open to all that you have. That you can pour out your new wine into our hearts and our spirits so that we can be a part of all that you want to do even in this next season moving ahead. God, I pray your incredible blessing upon this church, upon each and everyone who's a part of this church family. In Jesus' name, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, then I want to encourage you. The best thing you can ever do is say yes to God. Say yes to Jesus. If you're here today and that's you, you've never said yes to Jesus, uh, it's the beginning of a conversation you, you have with God. It's just the beginning. There's a lot of things you'll need to talk about with God. And it never stops because for all of us, even those of us who have been on that journey for a long time. But I would encourage you to say, just have that conversation with God to say, today even, say, God, I need you in my life. And if you have, if that's you, then... Tell, Sam, tell somebody, tell your friend or tell somebody you came with that you've made that decision and uh, begin the journey that's the best thing you can do in your life, journey with Jesus Christ. Father, I pray your blessing. Thank you for our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.